listening to Monday's Bible study, Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and today is Monday, July the 27th, in the year of our Lord, 2020. And we're taking a look at a lesson for the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, which will occur on August the 2nd, 2020. Readings are from Isaiah 55, Romans chapter 9, and Matthew 14. And we're going to examine Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21. Because tomorrow on Rumination Tuesday with Mark Smith, we're taking a look at a hymn that deals with the gospel reading, O Living Bread from Heaven. So it begins with verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard about the death of John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. So Jesus was in a boat. Uh, Sometimes he would go up to a mountain and pray to the Father, but this time he was in a boat by himself. Now, what boat was he using? If you'll remember, Jesus had asked the disciples to have a boat ready for him in order to preach, because preaching from a boat was a lot easier than being on the shore with the people and preaching. He could be on the shore healing people, but when he did, like, sermons, etc., the people would cling to him or come so close to him, the Bible says he was being squeezed. So this is probably the boat that the disciples had made available for him, In fact, in one reading that was on yesterday's gospel, uh, Jesus actually was in a boat asleep. Now, we actually found a boat in 1986, and it was a Gentile boat, and it could hold 13 people. And... When it says that Jesus was sleeping, there was a platform for the head of the boat who would give directions to the rest of the people how to steer the boat, how to row it, etc., put sails up perhaps. And Jesus was asleep there uh, under where that person would stand. So when he woke up, he was really surprised that the disciples were worried asking if they had any faith. And I find it really interesting when he says, have you no faith? I haven't found a commentary that I believe gives the right interpretation of those words. A lot of times they simply mean, don't you believe that I'm going to take care of you? But see, faith, The object of saving faith in the Bible, the object is always a promise from God. Abraham was said to have faith because God gave him a promise that he and his older wife, past childbearing age, 
would end up having a child, and his name would be Isaiah. No. What would his name be? His name would be the one that he would find when he went up on the mountain to put his son to death. And he was ready to do that because that son had come from a dead womb. And Abraham believed, and this is found in the book of Hebrews, that God would raise his son from the dead if he put him to death. So we've got all this background here about faith being trust in a promise. And what is the promise that the disciples did not believe? Well, all the promises were from the Old Testament. Like Psalm 22, he was going to be pierced in hands and feet. Isaiah 53, the Lord would lay on him the iniquity of us all. And so these promises were there for the disciples. And they didn't believe it. Because you can't be pierced in hands and feet. And that, of course, would be a crucifixion. So, Abraham had faith because he believed the promise of God that his son, Isaac, would be born from a dead womb. The disciples should have had faith that Jesus couldn't die in the middle of the Sea of Galilee because the Bible was clear his death would be pierced in hands and feet. That's a crucifixion. And there was no cross in the middle of the lake. Moreover, and this is important to understand, the Bible in the Old Testament talks about Jesus dying outside of Jerusalem. And, of course, that was the garbage dump where the crosses were put up. Well, at any rate, Jesus had heard about the death of John the baptizer, and he had been beheaded by Herod at the request of his illegal wife's daughter after she had danced for Herod. Now, Jesus withdrew by himself and in a boat to pray. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Now, following on foot, that doesn't mean they were on the lake. But they knew where the boat was going. And so they were able to get there by walking. And that's what happens in verse 14. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, that word compassion means to suffer with. God suffers with you. Remember when Jesus was very upset because People would not come to faith in him. He wept. That's God suffering with you. You don't go through a thing in your life of suffering, pain, persecution, that Jesus 
isn't there and has compassion on you. And one of the ways that he heals is that he works all things out to the good of believers. That that promise is not for unbelievers, but it is for believers. That he will have compassion and work things to their good. Verse 15. Now, when it was evening... And remember, Jesus was healing many sick. The disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. Remember, that's the same word used in verse 13, that he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. And so it's quite possible that he went by boat to this desolate place desolate place the people knew he went there and now it was evening the day is now over the disciples say send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves now this miracle is called the feeding of the 5,000 not counting the women and children who were there Uh, They also were fed. It was just way over 5,000. This miracle is found in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Jesus said, verse 16 of Matthew 14, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. Now, in the other Gospels, they do find a young boy who has some food that he had brought. And they say to Jesus, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish He looked up into heaven and said a blessing. Now that was thanking God, the Father, for the five loaves and two fish. Then what did he do? He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Now, this is amazing. It would be interesting how a movie would photograph what Jesus is doing. Did he pick up a piece of bread, and as he began to break it, it went into containers until enough containers were filled that could feed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, and the same with the fish? Well, that's what happened. It kind of reminds us of Elijah who went to live with a woman, and she didn't have much food. But the containers of flour, etc., and oil did not run out while Elijah was there. So God can multiply food without any problem. He created food, created the entire world 
Look at all the fruit trees that were created within those six days, filled with fruit. Because Adam and Eve would just go around and eat from the trees, except from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which led them into sin. So the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And in the ending of this verse, and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, how do you do a Bible study or how do you do a sermon on this particular event? I've heard a lot of sermons that simply give the history and then they'll make a point at the end of it saying, and God will always take care of you. He will supply food when you need it. Well, that's not really true. There are people who are Christians who are arrested for their faith, put into prison, and some of them starved to death because they were not given food by the jailer. So you can make a point that whatever you have a need of, Jesus will supply. Because even if you would die from starvation, it still works out for your good because you are now in heaven, in the spirit, with Jesus, awaiting the day of judgment when your body will be restored to your spirit. So what is the point? Well, Jesus talks about this a little later. He says that the people saw the miracle, but they missed the sign. What does that mean? It's, it's kind of like every now and then you have to go and renew your driver's license. And one of the tests they do for you is you look into a screen and there are certain signs of traffic. And you have to say what the signs are for. Like if you see a sign and it has a red, orange, and green light, you can say, that means there's a traffic signal ahead of me. Or if you see a big curb with an X through it, that means you're not allowed to make a U-turn. Well, there was one sign I couldn't figure out. But fortunately, you can miss one or two signs of those they show you and still get it. And I, I saw the sign. I could explain the sign, but I had no meaning as to what the sign meant. That's what Jesus is talking about. The people saw the miracle. They saw him feed 5,000 people. And they only had five loaves, the disciples, and two fish. And yet they were cut up torn up by Jesus in such a way that as he broke them, he supplied sufficient for those people. But we still haven't reached what's the sign 
of this. Well, I'll tell you how the people took it. They saw Jesus as a bread king, as a ruler who had come, perhaps the Messiah, some of them thought, but to restore Israel to its former grandeur, to get rid of the Romans, to have enough food, bread, and fish, so they would always be satisfied. And it even says they kind of chased after Jesus, after the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus had to escape from them because they had a wrong view of the meaning of the 5,000. The meaning of the 5,000 was that Jesus was divine. Only God can do what Jesus did. It kind of reminds us of a reading that we had recently in church about Jesus stilling of the storm. You, you need to understand that in that day, if a human being said to somebody, yeah, I was on the lake and a big storm came up and I stopped the storm, that would be considered blasphemy on the part of the person. Because the Jews in Jesus' day considered that a storm, a great wind, could only be stopped and ceased by God himself. Because that's what happened in the Old Testament. In fact, when Jesus tells the wind and wave to be muzzled, that's the original language, it's also the word that God uses to muzzle the Red Sea and the people cross it. Nobody thought that Moses had the power to split the waves. He just followed God's direction and put up his rod as instructed by God. And then the sea was divided. So God uses people in order to facilitate his miracle. Now, I found it interesting in reading that when it was evening, the disciples came to him asking for food. And what did Jesus say about the bread and the fish? Verse 18, Matthew 14. Bring them here to me. We do that on many a Sunday. In fact, the churches, the four of them that I'm taking care of right now in Illinois, we've gone to communion every Sunday. And we did that because there were people who hadn't had communion for weeks due to the virus being in their homes and churches not having worship services. What did Jesus say to us? Bring me the bread and the wine. In fact, in some churches that I've been at, they actually have individuals who come down the aisle with the bread and the wine going to the altar. 
and it's placed on the altar. Now, I as a pastor do not have a rod that I put over that bread and wine, but I speak the words as though Jesus was speaking them. This is my body. This is my blood. These are called the words of institution. No pastor has the power that in, with, and under the bread and the wine will be the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But God uses pastors in order that that will occur so that when the people come forward, we say, take eat, this is the body. Take drink, this is the blood of Christ. And somehow in, with, and under is that body and that blood. See, that's the meaning of the Lord's Supper. Because with that body and blood, you are assured of the forgiveness of sins. Well, Mark chapter 9 has Jesus in the boat again, going over to the other side, it says, probably Galilee. And the disciples, it says, verse 14, Mark 9, they had forgotten to take bread with them. They didn't have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Jesus charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the teaching of the Pharisees and Herod. Now, Herod wasn't even part of the Jewish nation, but, of course, look what he did to John the baptizer. And the Pharisees, thank God they weren't like tax collectors. They were really righteous enough to get to heaven. That was false reasoning. So the disciples were talking among themselves in verse 16, and they reasoned, he's telling us because we have no bread. Verse 17, Jesus, being aware of it, either he overheard them, or he's God, he knows how they reason. Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Now, what's he talking about? They're not understanding. They're not perceiving what Jesus is talking about, about the leaven of the Pharisees. Verse 18, having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? See, this is really important because that word is also used in the Lord's Supper. Do this, and the translation I like, do this in my remembrance of you. We may not remember Jesus and all that he has done, but he remembers us. So Jesus now explains it in verse 19 of Mark 9. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. And when I broke the seven 
for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Now, what is Jesus making very clear to them? Feeding 5,000 people and then 4,000 people, which, by the way, that feeding of the 4,000 is in the chapter just before Mark 9, should have told the people that Jesus is God. He is the Messiah. But it wasn't really till Pentecost that the disciples came to understand this. So the lesson for us is whatever happens in your life, Jesus is with you, and he will not forsake you. And he will supply whatever is necessary to make things work out for your good. Matthew 14, 13 to 21. And as indicated, tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Mark Smith, we'll be taking a look at the hymn, O Living Bread from Heaven. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.